You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse. We here at the Plano Chamber are working hard on our events now. We would love to partner with you as a sponsor in many other ways. We'd love to connect with you and get you more information on how you can partner with us on these great events. Find out more at planochamber.org or contact any Plano Chamber staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Plano Pulse, the podcast of the Plano Chamber of Commerce. My name is Kelly Marcellus, President and CEO with Plano Chamber, and with me is Ms. Lakia Terry. Hi, I'm Lakia Terry, the Communications and Marketing Director of the Plano Chamber. So happy to be here. So, Lakia, I'm really excited about today. I know I've mentioned it on this podcast before, and those that know me um, know a little bit about my background, but I'm actually a foster parent. And so I have um, had the privilege of working with some foster kiddos and families and members of our next guest um, are for the, with the organization our guest is um, representing, which is CASA Court. Appointed special advocates of Collin County. So I'm so thrilled to welcome Natasha Lowry, volunteer onboarding manager. And I'm going to tell you before she says hello, I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, CASA and then get her expertise on the organization. So CASA of Collin County is on the front line of services for children removed from their homes and placed in child welfare due to abuse and neglect. With the child's best interest and protection at the forefront, Casa of Collin County is appointed by the district court judges as the child's guardian ad litem or volunteer advocate and will remain with them throughout the duration of their time navigating the child welfare system. So this is really interesting because that was something I learned as a foster parent is that, you know, the Casa volunteer stays with the with the kiddo throughout their experience, which is just such an amazing opportunity because there's a lot of folks that come in and out of the of that process. So, Natasha, welcome. Hey, great to be here. So, why don't I mean, I gave us a little bit of an intro into what Casa is, but please tell us more from your perspective what Casa of Collin County is all about. Absolutely. You did a really great job. I'm going to tell you a little bit about how it started. Um, court appointed special advocates is what Casa stands for. And this is, we are, we train and supervise and support volunteers from the community, from Plano, all around Cullen County, um, to serve as guardians ad litem when it's a legal court appointment in a child's case who, um, who's before the judge. This child has been found by CPS to be endangered in their own home and Child Protective Services could not um, keep that child knowingly in that condition. And so remove the child. And then, of course, that sparks a legal case. And when the judges, we have six uh, district judges in Collin County that serve over the CPS matters. These are civil matters. And these six judges appoint my volunteers, court-appointed special advocate volunteers, to serve as the court's eyes and ears in a neutral fashion. And they arm the volunteers. We are armed with a all access backstage pass to this foster child's life. This child living in foster care or home like yours, Kelly, um, has so many people you alluded to, so many people in and out of their life. Imagine the tumultuous nature of just having to be removed from your home 
even an abusive home or a neglectful home, it's what the child knows. So leaving what you know um, and then being put in a situation where your future is uncertain. What is going to happen to me? These little kids wonder. What um, am I going to get to go home again? Will I ever see my grandma and grandpa again? All these questions run through this child's mind and through the judge's minds. And so the judge gives our volunteers, and like I said, an all access backstage pass court order to get into, to insert ourselves into this child's life. We go wherever they go, we go. If they go to school, we we go by that school. Um, if they if they're visiting their parents um, supervised at Child Protective Services, we go there and we watch those. We go. Um, they're in baseball. We go to their games. <laughs> we cheer them on in the stands. All of that stuff. And the whole point of being this solid person that sees this child from the beginning all the way to the end of when this case is going to conclude, either by going back home maybe with a relative and po or possibly being adopted out to another family. This volunteer has, has chosen to testify to all of the facts that they've been able to gather throughout the year. We serve with, we serve the court by giving them fact-filled testimony and data about how this child's doing and what might ultimately be in their best interest. And judges are so interested in this. That's why they're willing to give us such huge access to these very private and confidential matters. The judges want data. They want information that is clean and neutral. Everybody standing in court in front of that judge, um, when we go to court, everybody standing there has got a dog in the hunt. Child Protective Services, each lawyer, um, uh, everyone. And that's the way our system is designed. But our judge says, I need, a, I need more information. I want more information. And they arm our volunteers to be their eyes and ears of the court. And we're the only ones standing there speaking to the judge that day that is 100% neutral. It's almost like a one-person jury, if you think about it. We don't out know this family outside the agency. We have no other um, conflicts of interest. We've CASA has screened for all of that. Um, and we're truly neutral. Um, and reporting on the things that we have seen, the information we have gathered, and it is very powerful and the judges are, I mean, if without them, we would be nowhere. And without us, they would be somewhat more in the dark about what's best, what's in the best interest of this foster child for whom they speak. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, to me, you mentioned, you know, we talked a little bit about the number of people that come in and out of the, the child's life during this time. But and it, it is, it's so surprising how many different appointments and folks and stuff like that. But it's, you know, I've, in my experience, CASA was always a little bit of a constant for the foster parents too, because, you know, caseworkers change and doctors change and sometimes attorneys change. And, 
there's, it's a little bit of a revolving door, but um, I continued to communicate with some of the CASA volunteers that I worked with in cases that we had, even after the child had left our home, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of keep up with what was happening and, and, you know, just, just, and, and just in a friendly matter too. So I always really appreciated what a constant the, that volunteer was just for the case in general. Oh, that's excellent. You know, you may bring up a good point because child welfare is a really hard job. Child Protective Services caseworkers are on the front lines and they're responsible for so much. It's almost impossible to get everything done every day that they have on their checklist to, to be able to cross off all those things. I'm a checklister. I want to be able to cross things off to be able to um, relax at night. And these caseworkers just can't do it. There's just too much. And they need help. And it's one of the reasons that, Kelly, you're talking about this this turnover that happens in, in children's lives. I mean, it's difficult to work in this field, to have your J-O-B in this field um, for long stretches. And, um, and I get that. But, but the child, you're right, the child needs that constancy in a sea of ever-evolving, changing, everybody's different and everything's new all the time for them. Um, the advocate, we screen our advocates to make sure that they are 100% rock solid, barring acts of God. They are um, free and available, meaning that they, they don't, they're going to have any major changes in their life that they can foresee for the next 12, 18 months when they get in our ranks. We, we interview very, we're very selective about the volunteers that serve with this court appointment. It is absolute. CASA is the hardest volunteer job that I can think of outside of disaster relief for the Red Cross in an, in an emergency. CASA is the hardest thing. In fact, one of my DA friends called us um, the Navy SEALs of the volunteer world. And <laughs> I think that fits because you may join the Navy and that's great, but you don't join the Navy SEALs without really, really thinking about it. <laughs> is this exact? Is this level of training what I'm wanting to do? Is this level <laughs> of daily slog what I'm into? Yeah. And if the answer is that you want to make a huge impact on a child's life, then cause is for you. It's not for everyone. People work and people have families and they have lives and they go on vacations, but they are also committed to serving this child from the very beginning of their case all the way to the end. And when that judge makes a decision of where that that child can safely end up and be raised. Awesome. So Natasha, how does one like become a CASA volunteer? How does that process kind of work and like the screening that, like you said, it's a lot of screening that takes place in order to become a volunteer. How does that process work if someone wants to become a CASA volunteer? Sure. So, um, well, I drive everybody to our website. So casaofcollingcounty.org. We are a, a 501c3 nonprofit. And Casa of Collin County, let me, let me back up a bit and tell you that there are uh, 73 CASA programs in the state of Texas alone. Um, and we serve Collin County. So my agency is placed on the historic square in McKinney. If you know, we've got that child mural on our building. If you want walk past, um, we serve only in Collin County where the child has been removed from that district. And the judge, one of our six judges in Collin County is presiding over that case. 
There is a CASA of Dallas County. There's CASA in Tarrant and Denton um, and all over the big regions and, and areas in Texas. We serve Collin County only children because we uh, we speak to those six judges. Those judges have given us the court order in their court. So all that is to say, we go into casaofcollincounty.org and um, sign up for an information session. This is easily done on our um, on Zoom these days. We do uh, information sessions usually the first Friday of the month. Uh, April is a little different because we've got Good Friday as our first Friday, so we'll be having it on the second. But you sign up for a one-hour um, information session. It's Fridays at noon on Zoom, not hard to do, not hard to sign on. And I share with you all of the particulars. What's this agency going to want out of me? How much time does this take? Um, can I be a foster parent and volunteer at the same time? The answer, Kelly, is no. So if, when you're <laughs> There's done There's no way you could do both. No, you could do both. <laughs> oh, no. no one has time to do both. <laughs> you're exactly right. And thank you for your service, Kelly. If you ever hang up uh, your gloves as a foster parent, come on down to CASA. We'd love to have you. So we... We tell you all about um, what it takes and what the agency is going to give to the volunteer as means of support and training. This is a daunting subject, child abuse. It's an even more daunting thing when you think about, I'm going to go in front of a judge. You want me to talk to the court? And that sounds kind of scary. Some folks have never been to court. Um I teach a six-week master class on child welfare and all the ways that CASA fits into that child welfare system. Um, we study theory, but we practice in class. So we, I believe in rolling your sleeves up and figuring out how to actually do this work. What are the things I'm going to say when I get there? What am I supposed to do when I'm there? Who's supposed to be there? Should I be taking notes? All of these things, all of these questions in your mind when you're thinking, if I could serve a child in this way, what would it look like? We talk about in the information session at that point, and it's a soft sell. I mean, I recruit for the agency, but this is a soft sell. I do not hound anybody <laughs> like, hey, um, and uh, trying to get you to apply to the program. You will know if this is for you. Um, and I don't want to try to convince anybody. They will know or they won't. And that's fine. Uh, so uh, information session is the way to start. And then the application process, we have an interview for about 90 minutes. And that is discussing you and everything uh, you bring, uh, your individual talents um, to the table and talking about how they would fit into CASA work. And uh, if you're accepted to join the training class, not everybody is, not everybody's a fit. And again, that's okay. Trying to fit or trying to learn more is good enough in my book. I think the world of folks who just learn a little bit more about this before they decide uh, whether or not they could or can't uh, serve as a CASA volunteer. Um, and we walk you through the training process. Like I said, it's a six-week masterclass um, full of guest speakers from Child Protective Services, the district attorney, 
um, Cubs. We have um, live advocates, so real volunteers that are doing this work come and speak to the class and, and answer questions on a panel. Um, and we discuss all things child welfare related and how to serve this kiddo in court. You know, it's interesting um, that you talk about it, it could be for you, it might not. And a lot of times when I meet people and the subject of being a foster parent comes up, I, I, I get the question a lot. Oh, you know, I, I've always wanted to do that. What do you think? And I always say, you just have to find out for yourself because my experience is not going to be your experience and you might be very well suited for it or you might not be because, you know, there's, there's so much emotion that goes into it and, and everything. And I, I, I assume it's very similar on the CASA side as the other side. And so I think that's really good that, you know, you kind of approach it with it might be for you and it might not, because I think that's in this, in this child welfare business, kind of, as you called it, that I think that's across the board. People just have to find out if it's, if it's for them, regardless of anyone else's experience. <laughs> Absolutely. And you bring up a great point. In fact, Kelly, some folks, um, when I say, how did you find us? Or what drew you to CASA? Why are you choosing? Why are you doing this? Um, and number one answer is they want to make a difference because someone has told them that, you know, the difference that a CASA can make in a case, the information that, that an advocate can bring to the court can really change um, the whole direction of the case and, and that judges are very keen to notice this. But folks who say, I wanted to be a foster parent like famous Kelly, but I <laughs> just couldn't. It wasn't for me. The time isn't right. My whole family, my kids are young, whatever it might be. So I came to CASA because I love this population um, and I want to serve these kids. My heart goes out to them. For whatever reason, I identify with this and I want to serve in some way. And then I remind them, well, this is, you, you might think that this is a, uh, a foster parenting light. <laughs> and maybe it is a little bit. Um, we don't take kids home, definitely. <laughs> but it is a just as long of a commitment um, to this child and just a different way of, uh, again, being, instead of being a caregiver who tucks them into bed and wipes their noses, um, we are someone who hangs out with that child in all the areas that that child lives in. So everywhere that kiddo goes, that advocate, we instruct them and teach them how to go in and insert themselves into that um, situation and uh, just to simply observe this child and gather information about this well-rounded view of this child in every facet of their life. So when the judge says, okay, you guys, what's going on with my kiddo? Um, the advocate standing before the judge is often the subject matter expert on that child's whole life. Um, not their whole life, but their life since their um, removal from their birth home and placement into foster care. Um, volunteers just are going to have more hours in the day to spend in this and, um, and be able to gather that information for the court. And the courts are very grateful for that. We were started by a judge. So you've been talking a little bit, Natasha, about how individuals can volunteer and potentially become CASA. And I noticed, um, I noticed, well, 
I've talked to Bob a little bit about this, but Bob Kerr, who's a board member for the Plano Chamber, is also your board chair. How can businesses get involved in CASA and be supportive because of the impact you have on the community? Wow, that's a great question. So we love Bob. Um, he helps my <laughs> Who computer. Who <laughs> We've got great tech because of Bob. I love it. So we work with, like I said, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. So we definitely um, love to have corporate sponsorship, corporate help. Um, local businesses can donate in kind, perhaps, to um, either our kiddos or to the volunteers who serve these kiddos. These volunteers are angels. They are unbelievable. Um, and it is so amazing, the work that they're doing behind the scenes. It's the best kept secret. Nobody knows about this stuff because these volunteers don't go chit-chatting about these very confidential matters at the cocktail party on Saturday night. Right. You might not hear them talk about these things that they're doing because they know that it's off limits. The judges instructed them so. But they are working hard and tirelessly for these kids and to serve um, that judge with the best information possible. So we love to have agency um, or business sponsorship, either financially. Some um, places have um, dollar for dollar matching. Um, we definitely are grant funded. We get corporate uh, partnerships for financials and also in kind. Um, and we also love it when local businesses allow for volunteer hours into their employee pool. So a um, you know, saying, if you work here, you will give you four hours a week to, you know, volunteer in the community. That's great. CASA can use that. And that's a perfect, that's perfect. That's a perfect amount of time. And you can be an advocate if, if you work somewhere and you think, oh, I don't have time to do this. Well, if your job is willing to partner with you and say, listen, we believe in this community and we know that if you volunteer in this community, it'll just make it stronger. So we want to support that with um, some hours that the agency, the company that you work for will give to you for free so that you can go and um, serve these children. That just strengthens everybody. That's a really good. Yeah, that's really cool, Natasha. We so because fostering is so near and dear to my heart, that was something we wrote into our employee manual a couple of years ago was to give people time to do that should they want to pursue foster care, which I think we should add CASA to that as well now. <laughs> but yes, I think please. I think the more companies that are supportive of, because, of, you know, when you do take in a placement or if you're volunteering as, for CASA, just, and I'm guessing just because of the amount of time I saw my CASA or my, my child's CASA, um, you know, it, it does take a certain amount of time. So it's really great when businesses can support that. Absolutely. Uh, that's the number one thing is for volunteers is they've got to ask themselves, do I have the time to fit this in? So they need to have a flexible business hour schedule, meaning from Monday through Friday, eight to five, nine to five, um, those are business hours. And that's when things are happening in our kiddos legal case. So court is held, you know, five, at least five times um, a case. 
children might be in school. So that's when schools are in session and school meeting might happen. Um, uh, Child Protective Services might be supervising a mom and dad's visitation. And that happens during business hours. So not everything happens during business hours, but for the things that do, our advocates need to be able to have a flexible, you know, Tuesday morning where something is happening for an hour and a half and they need to just leave their obligation, their job or their school and go and do one event for this child, watch something and then come back to their job and, and maybe make that time up by staying later or um, somehow making up the time that they were gone out of the out of the work space. And so that kind of partnership is great to be able to have with local businesses because these folks need those hours. And without those hours, that it's hard, it's a harder struggle for them to serve well. Absolutely. Uh, Natasha, um, I like to say, we, like you've talked about a, a lot about, um, you know, from the volunteer standpoint of how, you know, people can, can get involved with CASA. Um, let's talk about, let's switch a little gears and talk about maybe a success story, because as we all know, when you put a lot of time into something and, you know, it's a lot of like, not only is it time, but it's also a lot of mental um, you know, things that go into being a volunteer and not only just the time that you put and you can, it feels really good when you hear a story of impact of how this impacted, you know, a child's life. Can you share a story about uh, maybe impact? Yes, I've got, uh, I've got two, but I will pick one. I will, I will settle on one um, that always floats to the top of my mind. So um, we had, it was a young baby. I would say he was about two years old. And he was removed um, from his mother's care. Um, she was she went into county jail. She was facing a charge, I believe it was drug related. Her family had um, moved here, and they were first generation from um, an island in the Pacific. So this family, Mom was inside um, and mom wasn't getting out anytime soon. There was no father named by her. Um, and so this child appeared to have very limited options. The family members were contacted um, and we tried to bring them into the fold saying, what can you do to help this child, help this child get back out of CPS custody? Um, could you provide, are you willing to provide a safe and stable home for him? Well, his grandfather stepped right up and, um, grandpa was wonderful. Um, this child loved his grandpa and reached for him and picked me up grandpa and loved his granddad. And the state said, okay. And, and the judge said, okay, so let's get you licensed. Let's get you home studied. We need you to fill out this whole big barrage of forms so that we can do our part and basically vet you, grandpa, vet grandpa's home and say that, yes, it's a safe enough place, your honor. This child can go live there and grandpa will do right by him. Well, grandpa wouldn't turn in his paperwork. And it got to be where we were begging and pleading and trying to figure this out and he wouldn't do it. And we would say to him, now, grandpa, we've got you here right now. Where are you going to do this paperwork? And he would say, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I, um, there's nothing I want more. I'm going to do this. I love him. I'm going to do this. Okay, grandpa, get on it. Well, he doesn't. 
And it gets to be so bad that um, we're getting late in the case and these have to be resolved by law within a year. Um, and we're getting late in the case and the judge says, Grandpa, I've heard you say you're going to do this in the past and you haven't done it yet. I'm setting this case for termination and I'm changing the goal up for your grandson to ultimately be adoption by non-relative. And the grandpa started crying in court. It was awful. I took this man, um, a volunteer took this man outside and said, okay, the casa sat with them and said, grandpa, what's going on? He had, he spoke English in such a way he had almost no accent. He was almost like a native speaker. Um, and, but it, he was not born here and this was an English was not his first language. After about a half an hour of going through this paperwork with him, the advocate was able to figure out that this grandpa could not read English. Nobody had asked him this, um, and he was far too proud to admit it to anyone. These forms would make your head spin, even if you'd had uh, graduated from college in this in this country. But grandpa was absolutely perplexed by them. Um, and he was unwilling to admit it. It was his pride. He had seen that as a failure. He um, he didn't know who to ask for help. And it in turn turned out to be the advocate that sat down with him and said, please, let's go through this paperwork. Can I help you? Can I look at it? Let me see what you've got here. Um, and was able to put together that Really, it was just a matter of literacy in English that was going to prevent this child from being placed with the man who was willing to die for this kid. Um, take a take a bullet for this grandson. Um, he would have done anything. And so we were able, Casa was able to just salvage that placement um, where it had been a complete mystery as to why this man would not fill out his paperwork. That's so interesting. What a great story. And and. A good lesson, even beyond Casa, what a what a short conversation can do <laughs> in so many cases. But that that's such a great example. I want to shift gears just a little bit, Natasha. And so last week, um, based on when we're recording, last week uh, the Plano Chamber was down in Austin for Plano Legislative Days, um, which is a partnership between our city and our school district and the business community. And I noticed really quickly while we were at the Capitol that we were sharing some space with CASA. Uh, it was CASA Day at the Capitol. And so I was really excited. I know Bob was with us, Bob Kerr, and he, he was down there. And Sharon Bradley, who's also on your board, was participating with some of the CASA activities. So, I mean, I guess to the extent that you feel comfortable in your role, is, is there anything in this legislative session or anything on the advocacy side that you guys are particularly focusing on this session? We are looking to, thanks, I'm, I'm so glad you went down to Austin. Um, we are looking to um, make sure that funding stays in place um, for the, the programs that serve. The 73 programs all around Texas have to be funded in order to serve these children. The staff members at CASA um, receive, they this is their job. They receive a paycheck. These are the folks that bring the training and the supervision and, um, and the support of the advocates to the volunteers. So without the staff there, 
um, volunteers wouldn't be able to serve. And so we can only serve, um, a program can only serve the number of children in its area with however many staff they can afford. If they can afford more staff, they can get more volunteers. Um, it's almost like a, a direct correlation right there. And so we want to make sure that um, funding is preserved. And there are several pieces that Texas CASA, um, pieces of legislation that Texas CASA is looking at to try to convince um, those who don't know about this program's value, um, just how critical it is to the judges and to the children around our state that these judges receive the best information, the cleanest um, and best testimony possible when making these really hard decisions about children's futures. Well, thank you so much, Natasha, for that advocacy work and for everything that you're doing in our community. Um, I think whether our listeners are really well versed in the child welfare system and all the work from all the different entities that go into it, or they're hearing about it for the first time now, I think you know the message for today is one, how incredibly important it is for um, our community, our future, our kiddos, and also... Um, how easy it can be to get involved, whether it's by being a CASA volunteer and learning more of that process or by giving back and um, volunteering in other ways with CASA. So thank you so much. If you don't mind, just go ahead and share again where people can find more information and get in touch with you. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, by the way. So please go to our site, casaofcollincounty.org, casaofcollincounty.org. And we are on that historic square in McKinney. You can also stop by and just say, hi, I'm happy to talk to you. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for your engagement in our chamber and in our community and the county as a whole. We're just thrilled that you guys are here and the work that you do. Lakia, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks to all of our listeners. Um, be sure to like, rate, subscribe, share the Plano Pulse podcast. And if you're interested in being featured on our podcast or sponsoring one of our episodes, please reach out to the Plano Chamber team. And until then, thanks so much for being here. Hey everyone, Kelly Marcellus here, your president and CEO of the Plano Chamber. Are you looking to kickstart your Friday morning with dozens of local business owners and professionals? Set your alarm and join us for our weekly business interchange meetings for networking worth waking up early for. Meetings are held at 7.30 a.m. every Friday morning. Join us and share your 30-second commercial promoting your business and be the first to hear what's going on with other local businesses. Visit planochamber.org to learn more and we'll see you next Friday.